welcome to episode 69 of the Adeline Rising podcast. We're your hosts, Saren Lynn and Adam. In today's episode, we discuss Marvel's X, Strike Force, and Miss Marvel. How's everyone doing today, guys? What's going on? I'm a, I'm a prisoner in my own home. Me too. I haven't left since last Thursday. I have been uh, working from home for a week and a day, and I'm about ready to crack. I'm not that bad. I I was, like, made for this. I'm like, okay, haven't left my house in a week, no problem. So long as I've got the internet and my Switch, I'm good. So the UK is not quite on that level yet. Um, obviously, we're not meant to go out. We're only meant to go out for, like, essentials and stuff. But it's not, like, complete lockdown or anything like that yet. Oh, uh, we're getting there here. Um, tonight's the last night that all the takeout places, uh, restaurants are open. And then after that, the only thing that will remain open are groceries and pharmacies and... The necessary things, doctor's offices, whatever. Yeah. I, I cannot, lockdown. I really wanted to get a new IKEA bookshelf, but they've closed sad times. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of just it's just really weird kind of time at the moment and it's like trying to keep it positive. <laughs> trying to stay positive. I'm perfectly okay. I've got my Animal Crossing and you know, I'm good. I'm good. Well, I am getting a lot of baking done, so there's that. I'm jealous I'm not quarantined with you right now because I would be eating so well. <laughs> I mean, I could technically quarantine with you because I'm working from home. So, like, I just might have to do that. I'll be, like, driving. I'd be sending me back to Jersey, though. I wouldn't be able to do that. That's sad. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, we, we um, I, I think uh, by the looks of what's happening on the continent at the moment, I think the UK is not going to be long until we start closing stuff down a bit more thoroughly. But Well, it depends on where way. in the US you are. I'm very happy I'm in the state that I'm in actually, because we're taking it a bit more seriously than some of the other states are, so. Like Florida. Let's not talk about Florida. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) yes, let's move on to um, the AMA request. Since we're stuck inside and so very bored, how about you guys send us some questions? Ask us anything. It can be a serious and humans question. It can be goofy. We'll pick our favorite question to answer on the next episode, and whoever submitted it will get a copy of Ms. Marvel 13, the first appearance of Amulet, signed by Saladin Ahmed. Oh, you snagged one of those? I did. I went to go see him at Green Brain in Dearborn. That's cool. The hometown of Amulet. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get get onto Amulet later in the uh, later in the episode, but it's quite a cool, cool designed character. Um, and if you want to get the uh, like like uh, like Lynn said, if you want to get Miss Marvel issue thirteen, first appearance of him, then uh, yeah, send us a question. A- any question. It's cabin fever. Any question. We've got cabin <laughs> fever. Welcome. Also, I think uh, I think big news is we went to we all went to C two E two and met up, and that was great. Yay! Yeah. That was such a fun weekend. I'm so happy yeah. I got to meet you guys. Yeah, and it's it's like it's crazy everything that happened since then. I think you know in the last two weeks, it's, everything is shut down. We were incredibly lucky to go to C two E two. And, you know, get the majority of people um, that we wanted to see were still there. And, and now cons are being cancelled. It, it may have been the time. last con before everything yeah. shut down. It was. It was because um, ECC, uh, Emerald City Comic Con, was two weeks after that. And um, the situation in Washington was crazy. So they rightfully, in my opinion, um, shut it down. Uh, but uh C2E2 was amazing. Um, I really enjoyed the Marvel panels we went to. We had a, it was a good time. Yep, and I really enjoyed the uh, the Wolverine book that you managed to get and then gave me. 
You're very welcome. Like, you deserve was, it more than I did. That was insane. It's just like a one in 25, one of 25. Wolverine issue one, signed by Ben Percy. Just, just wow. You're that was very so good. Welcome. I, I thought you deserved that more than I did, Adam. So it's <laughs> thank it's you. I do, I do. I Put really that appreciate in a that. Safe and and guard it well. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the, the panels are so good. I don't think I'd ever been to a panel before because in the UK, most Comic Cons are very, uh, like pop culture based, so they're less less comics focused. So it's, it's really nice to go to an actual kind of Marvel one. We even caught like the end of a DC Comics um, panel as well. Yeah. yeah. Um. The Mar- Women of Marvel panel in particular was quite entertaining. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Um. You can hear us cheering for Leah Williams if you listen to the podcast. Um, and I, uh, I could also say that if you were there, um, the Marvel booth had a giant Spider Woman poster banner. I got, a, I got a selfie. It was quite awesome. I did not get a selfie with it, but I did take a picture. Yeah. Uh, I hugged it. It was wonderful. Many times. Yes, I did hug it many times. <laughs> that was so exciting. <laughs> So it was absolutely great. Uh, we met who who did we all meet? We met Teeny Howard and Leah Williams and L. Ewing was there. Yeah, he was on my flight. He was on my flight, guys. Like, he was so like, he was on the he was on the same plane I was going over there on. And it was like you know I I saw him sort of walking around. I was like I I recognize you, but I didn't say anything because I felt like a plane is not really the right place to say. How how's how's Immortal Hulk going and that kind of stuff? So I, I didn't didn't talk to him on the plane. <laughs> oh, I would have. I would have just been like, oh my god, I love this series and you know Valkyrie or something. And then yeah, that's all I would have said. And then I would have turtled away. Yeah. So C two E two was excellent. If you get a chance to go in the future, you should go. Um, I'm gonna be booking my flights for next year. <laughs> Hopefully. I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah, I I will be booking my flights for next year. Um, uh, you know, how about some news? What's going on in the world of Inhumans at the moment? Okay, well, the Inhumans have been added to Marvel Strike Force. If you play that game, uh, we've got Black Bolt, Yo-Yo, Quake, Karnak, and Crystal. And Crystal's finishing move is adorable. She doesn't do it herself. Lockjaw teleports in, gives you a little butt wiggle, and pounces on the bad guy, <laughs> and then teleports him away. So if you could kill somebody using Crystal. I highly suggest doing that. I, I kind of need to get this game now. Yeah, I need to as well. I, that, that was that was another thing I, I got at C two E two was a lot of a lot of lockjaw merch. <laughs> like <laughs> I got a t shirt, two pieces of art, and I was just like, "Yeah, that's that's what I need." Not enough, not enough merch. It's not well, not enough. But I I, I had a limit. I mean, I went there with like a twelve kilogram bag, handed a load of stuff off to you guys, and then went home with fifteen kilos. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, yeah. there's def- definitely not enough in humans merch. That's why I have to commission it myself. Yeah, yeah. Your David right. session was beautiful. Anyway, next one. All right. So Karnak has been added to Marvel Puzzle Quest, and while he is appropriately destructive in the game, uh, I have to say that Puzzle Quest is a giant money pit. I told you. I told you. And it is not recommended. I, I don't understand how a glorified Candy Crush can be so expensive. Yeah, but have you seen how much a Candy Crush is? So, <laughs> I remember oh. playing Candy Crush and it never asked for my money the way that oh, Puzzle Quest you. really wants my money. I'm, oh. I'm surprised. I'm like, still... no, no, Puzzle Quest, no. you can't have any more money. No, I think the perfect, out of all the Marvel mobile games, I think um, Future Fight does it right. Like, you can still get pretty far in the game without having to spend any money. So, 
if you're going to play a Marvel game, I think Strike Force I've heard really good things about, and also um, Future Fight. Future so. Fight. And the Inhumans are due for an upgrade in Future Fight. They, are they? Or, yeah, they need uh, one. Well, they're, we need, they them. need one because they need, they need to get, useless. Yeah, they need to get useless. Uh, they need to get Crystal to like a level three because my Crystal wrecks shit in that game and she's wonderful and I love her. Yeah, right uh, now she's still my most powerful in human because you can get her up to level 70. Yeah. But that's, but I come think on, that we don't also, have any tier three in humans. No, we don't. We need them. So if anyone who uh, list, play, uh, develops Marvel Future Fight listens to this, please give the Inhumans an upgrade and get Crystal to tier three because she's probably the most fun to play. Um. Excuse me, but Black Bolt needs to be a tier three character. He does. It's ridiculous that he's he, not. He can he can literally crack a planet like. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. but you know, yeah, well, well. Speaking are... of Black Bolt, he's going to be in the Darkhold series starting this June. Woohoo! Yay! That's written by Steve Orlando, who was previously with DC Comics. Ooh, that he, was... Is he still with DC, or is he Marvel exclusive? I, I think he's swapped. I... Yeah, I think he swapped. Yeah. Oh, interesting. He's, I think he's yeah, because because it was a big, a really big deal because he he was exclusive at DC, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And he he's an excellent writer. He wrote the Martian Manhunter series, which is great. Uh-oh. He wrote Midnighter and the Batman Shadow crossover. As someone who is the the only real DC comics I've read is like Sandman. Which is most recent book I've read? Uh, like the Vertigo imprints. That's all I've read of DC. So I might have to pick some stuff up. Yeah, Martian Manhunter is really good. Yeah, uh, art is by I think Riley Rossmo. That's cool. Looking forward to that. So if you want to do some background reading on the Darkhold, there is an Avengers Doctor Strange Rise of the Darkhold trade paperback and a Darkhold series. Uh, support your local comic book store. Check out their. COVID-19 plan, my LCS is shipping and doing curbside pickup. You can also get the comics on Marvel Unlimited. Good old Marvel Unlimited. If Black Bolt's in it, does that mean we find out where the Inhuman Royal Family has been all this time? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know. Also, we got the new Peter Porker Spectacular Spider-Ham series continues to be a delight. I am behind on this one. I need to. I need to get issue. I need to get issue three. I've read issue one and two, and they are really great. <laughs> it is worth the cover price just for the names that Zeb Wells comes up with. I don't even want to spoil them. And yeah. Black Colt is Spoiler. a scene stealer with his little <laughs> notepad. He, it's hysterical. Highly recommended. Got it. And then Outlawed came out this week we're going to hold off on reviewing it until next time to avoid spoilers for those who haven't been able to get to their comic book store yet i think i added that to my pull list so hopefully it's in my pile of spider woman comics that i picked up well my niece picked up for me since i can't leave the house <laughs> yeah so i mean yeah. in 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 the uk obviously we're kind of less quarantined than these guys um but i mean you know consider their covid19 stuff stay socially uh, isolated Social distancing, Adam. That's the one where you've got to stay one meet at least six foot away from each other, a meter and a half. Yes. Keep doing that. But uh, should, we, should we move on to the actual reviews of comic books? Yeah, let's break in the Marvel's X. Uh, it's been a while since we last recorded, so we're going to review Marvel's X issues one, two, and three. The story is by Alex Ross and Jim Kruger. 
The writer is Jim Kruger. The artist is Wellby. Letterer VCs Corey Petit. Graphic designer Carlos Lau. And cover by Alex Ross. The covers are beautiful. Just just to put that out there, that right now. <laughs> he did a couple of um couple of his Spider Woman pieces wound up as variant covers and uh I did not snag them, sadly, but that's okay. Alright. So Marvel's X is the prequel to the Earth X series. Some minor Earth X spoilers if you haven't read it. Everyone on Earth nine 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 seven is acquiring superpowers, but no one knows why it's happening. Some blame a mutant virus, other people blame Reed Richards. The answer, of course, is that Black Bolt has contaminated Earth's atmosphere with Terrigen. Kind of his thing. This is another version of his plan from War of Kings to make everyone super, a superpowered being so that there's no reason for anyone to fight anymore. It's a nice idea, but he really hasn't thought this through. Marvel's X follows a superhero-loving little boy named David, who is inexplicably unaffected by the mists. As the world spirals into chaos, David hides at home with his family but he starts to lose them one by one. His parents are killed at a mall while they're, while they're out looking for supplies. His sister sister's powers emerge and she flies away. And his grandmother dies in the process of cocooning, which is very reminiscent of Inferno's mother dying in, in human number one. Now alone, David ventures out wearing his green goblin mask to hide his lack of transformation with a plan to get to New York City where the heroes are. He's helped along the way by a mysterious trucker named John. With the entire population of New York now being transformed, the city has turned into a lawless dystopia. David spends one long, scary night alone, being hunted by a monstrous, animal-like creature. Fortunately, Daredevil is still around to watch over him. And the next day, David is found by one of his heroes, Spider-Man, who takes him back to his apartment and now has to figure out what to do with the last human on Earth. The next day, Daredevil, Spider-Man, and David try unsuccessfully to break into the Baxter building to go see Reed Richards, who they know will be able to figure this all out. Even Doctor Strange is unable to help them, and their only hope is to find the Invisible Woman on a supply run. But before that can happen, Peter and David are attacked by the creature who kidnaps David. The creature is then revealed to be a mutated craven out to capture the rarest game of all, the last human on Earth. I gave this one... A five out of five lock jaws. Which was really well deserved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like this this is fantastic. Yeah. I mean it's 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 so good that they're finally giving EarthX just another kind of aspect to its you know, to its lore and kind of background and that sort of stuff. I I I love EarthX. I think it's a really good um just a really good story in itself. Um yeah, this this book has been great. And yeah, they they're doing a really good job of making it a prequel. Yes. If you read Earth X first, it's going to be full of spoilers for this series. It's actually good to read this by itself and then go into Earth X. Yeah, because you kind of, if you go read Earth X first, you understand exactly what the terror, you know, what the, the, the reason why they're changing is, why they're mutating. Um, another, I, I think another, uh, point on this one is that it's kind of before the time in which Terrigen was lethal to mutants. Yeah. Um, so it's based upon that whole idea that actually, the majority of people will be mutated by Terrigen, um, kind of like how you see in like Silent War, Son of M, that sort of thing. Um, so it's not kind of it's not following the current Marvel Universe lore on Terrigen, um, but it's it's kind of just following on from what was uh, what was kind of presented in Earth X. 
That's true. And there, there is a cameo by Cyclops in this, which was pretty great to be on TV. You can't blame the mutants for everything. <laughs> yes, we can. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, but um, his character design is great. The yes, Alex yeah. Ross X-Men costumes from Earth X are fantastic. I really, all I the really character like... designs are amazing. Yeah, they are. I think, um, I mean, they, there was Ghost Rider, X-51, Machine Man. Um, yeah. and but then the Inhumans was... designs. Oh, the Inhumans designs as well. Are yes. phenomenal. Yes. And if you've read Death of the Inhumans, the design of Vox is heavily based on the Earth X Black Bolt. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of, I, I felt it was a bit of a shame when, uh, Vox was kind of created. Um, because, I find that the Earth-X Black Bolt is much more sinister and much kind of much kind of more intense than than Vox ever was. But maybe that's because I, I read Earth-X first and I, I prefer that kind of character. But <laughs> yeah, I mean this but, followed yeah. along followed along by Universe X and Paradise X as well. Yes, which you can get in a, a uh, omnibus if you feel like being crushed by a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it is extremely in- heavy. You can get them in three individual trades now, I believe. You can get Earth-X, yep. Universe, and Paradise, which I really want to get. I mean, I've got the original Earth-X all-in monthlies. In fact, I had to get one issue twice because the I, I wondered why the original run was so cheap, but it turns out like the issue zero or issue one just had a massive great like cup mark on it, oh. um, which wasn't great, but I, I replaced it, So, it was, but it was still super cheap, so it was good. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the pandemic, though, that's a bit... <laughs> Those too scenes, close to home. Yeah, when they're when they're sat in front of the television and and kind of watching the news on the TV, that's that's really close to home at the moment. But and I do love that he's with Spider Man now. And if you've seen Spider Verse, this version of Peter really gives off a sweatpants Spider Man vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I, I kind of I really like the fact that they're just basically saying that, um, you know, he's just like, oh yeah, the the, the mask is pointless. Everybody knows who I am. Yeah, and it's kind of I, I kind of thanks, I kind of like J. That. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, uh, May Parker was there, who kind of becomes the EarthX. Well, what's her name in EarthX? Is it like Mayday? Mayday. Yeah, Mayday Parker. So that's that's really good. And that was really good. That was a really nice kind of tie-in as well. Yes, and this this also does kind of revisit the concept of powers bringing out who you really are, which we've seen in the Inhuman comics, in the X Men, Captain America. The Hulk and all the gamma ray affected characters getting powers just makes you more of who you really are. And sadly, once everybody on Earth gets superpowers, they don't become heroes. Yeah, and there's like a there's like a really a discussion in there, which is kind of like you know um, between David and and Peter Parker, I believe, and it's kind of like he says, "Oh yeah, my my grandmother says it just brings out who you really are." And and Peter mentions the fact that Uncle Ben said, "With great power comes great responsibility," and it's kind of like, well, actually, he's he's right, but I think actually David's grandma makes the better kind of uh, analogy. I think because you've got all these villains that become superhero uh, supervillains, and it's just kind of like you know, it, it's just who they were before, just amplified tenfold. Yeah, we're also kind of waiting for some kind of cameo from the Inhumans, maybe, maybe not. Which. Probably we're, I doubt we're going to get because they're not on Earth at this point. So if you're looking for the royal family, you'll probably be disappointed. But, you know, because their involvement really isn't revealed until Earth X, the, like the middle of the Earth X series. Yeah, but we, we get but that big one, one page spread. In Marvel's three, you know, Marvel's X3, where we get Medusa sort of looming in the background of a flashback page. 
Yeah, because they kind of mention the Fantastic Four and the fact that Fantastic Four are, you know, kind of like more of a superhero team because they don't know what they're going into and that kind of stuff. And again, I, I think that's a really nice, um, you know, a really nice kind of story piece because it kind of is what sets the Fantastic Four apart from, from the rest of the heroes. Um, and a little bit of foreshadowing with the Medusa in the background. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, 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 the other thing I want to mention is, is the art on this series, which is absolutely beautiful. Like, I mean, I, I, I was kind of tentative on picking this one up and we're just waiting for it on trade, but no, I'm really glad I picked it up because the actual art is, is just brilliant. Um, it does really, it does mesh very well with Earth X. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. It's, it's very reminiscent of that. It's very reminiscent of the style. Um, I think it's, it's ever so slightly softer, but I think that's because it's it's kind of more comic-y than what the original FX was. Um, but yeah. And I, it, get, I, it gets more comic-y when there's flashbacks or David's talking about his favorite superheroes. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, I, I again I love that I love like kind of like the oldie st- oldie worldy style comic book stuff. I say oldie worldy, it's not that old, but <laughs> <laughs> you know it's kind of like that layout Just and that data kind of style. Data. It's uh, no, it's, it's it's really good, really good. Um, I'm so glad it's it's kind of been a bit been made a thing. Yeah, it seems to be uh, something that Marvel. Um, it's kind of like they're bringing the stuff from like the 70s and 80s, all modernizing it a little bit. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's like um, it's like with the the grand design books, um, particularly the Fantastic Four one. Oh, I, I got the you know giant trade paperback of it. <laughs> well, the giant treasury edition. Yes, it's so, awesome. So a funny thing about that is is I've got the treasury edition. So I've got the uh, the X Men grand design, and I've got uh, Silver Surfer treasury edition by Donny Kate. That is such a smelly book. <laughs> it is. Did you have that problem with it? Y- yes. You you open yeah. it and it's like it's like, like some sort oh. of like solvent abuse comes at you. It's just like <laughs> you know you you do genuinely get a little bit high off it. It's ridiculous. It but is. well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just the fact that yeah, you sniff it and it's like, oh wow, look at all these colours there. <laughs> wow. But it's um, it, it's it's funny. The, the story is, um, I was kind of redoing my bookshelf and uh, I kind of made sure to uh, put the shelves a good distance apart, but kind of keep it consistent all the way down. So I made the bottom one ready for all my omnibuses on the buy, making sure that, that goes on there nicely. And then and then I realised, oh, hang on a minute, I've got my treasury editions. <laughs> and they're bigger than the omnibus. They are the omnib- huge. It's just it, it frustrated me hugely because I'd literally packed everything onto, onto my shelf, and I was like, oh, "Hang on a minute, where's the treasury edition?" And it was uh, a kind of an oh shit moment. So <laughs> uh, yeah, Marvel's X, go buy it. It's very very good. Uh, and go and buy Earth X, Universe X, Paradise X, all of it. It's it's really really good. Great series. So uh, moving right along, uh, we'll be going into. Uh, Strike Force, which we've missed quite a few issues of as well. So we'll start with Strike Force number four, uh, which is a standalone um, in the series. It's just a standalone issue. Uh, writer is Teeny Howard. Um, we have multiple artists on this one. Um, for the main um, art uh, for the present day is uh, Jermaine Peralta. For flashbacks, we have uh, Max Fiumara for the Winter Soldier, uh, Marika Cresta for the Hellstrom flashback, Stacy Lee for Spider Woman. Colorist is Guru Effects with Dan Brown uh, coloring the flashbacks. 
Uh, letterer is VC Joe Sabino with uh, Joe Bowen on the logo. And the cover is Juan Jose Reap and Matthew Wilson. The Strike Force team and an unconscious Count Ophidian um, are stuck in Doom's mansion in Indonesia as they wait out a storm and uh, for Wiccan or Hellstrom to be powered enough to teleport them home. Uh, to pass the time, they tell stories of how they first encountered the Verdai. Later, we see in a moment between Spider-Woman and Angela, it's revealed the events the heroes described really didn't happen. And then it ends with Monica seemingly becoming possessed and declaring that death is near. In the flashbacks, we've got uh, Bucky's World War II flashback. So back when he was young, he encounters the Verdi while out on a mission with Steve. Hellstrom's flashback is during a time when he and Hellcat were on a break from dating. Plot twist, Patsy was Radai, heavily implied that Damon slept with her. And then Jessica's flashback is uh, as an overtired and overworked mother trying to get her son to sleep. Something about her son isn't right, and she was convinced that uh, Jerry um, was a Radai. Some thoughts on this. Uh, the big thing that stuck out to me is if the flashbacks are false, then that means that Blade's flashback from issue number one is false as well. Damon has a high opinion of himself in bed. <laughs> he, he does. Don't we all? Don't we all? Jessica Drew is a stressed out mama. There's a scene in the end of the book where uh, they're all having glasses of wine and toasting each other, and it's very reminiscent of the scene in issue number one when the Verdi imposters are clicking the viruses together. And actually, I really loved this issue because it really did give that like creepy, tense feeling that the series has been promising but not quite delivering on just yet. So I'm going to give it a four out of and a half out of five locked jaws. That the only thing that kind of spoiled it for me was that moment at the end when Monica got possessed and the end was near. I guess moving right along, unless anyone has some other comments. Strike Force number five and six, these two are like a mini tie-in. So again, artist or writer is Teeny Howard. Um, the artist uh, we now have, as a fill-in artist, we have Jacopo Camagni. Colorist, guru, effects, and letterer is VC's Joe uh, Sabino. Uh, cover, again, is Juan Jose Rip and Matthew Wilson. So um, sometime after the events of issue four, we find a team hiding out in Detroit. Monica is having seizures, and they're coming more frequently. Um, turns out that Ghost is to blame. He was possessing Monica the whole time. Ghost uh, shows himself and runs off, and then the group splits into two. A team of Angela, Blade, uh, Spider-Woman, and Winter Soldier uh, pursue ghosts and wind up fighting him. Um, they follow him to a hospital full of patients on life support. Ghost pulls the plug on them, and their ghosts or spirits rise out of their bodies. Monica uh, tries to stabilize the ghosts, not believing they're really dead, and she wants to try and attempt to put their souls back in their bodies. At that point, Carla Sofen, a.k.a. Moonstone, makes her appearance and gives Monica this uh, elaborate sales pitch. Monica basically tells her to shove it and continues to try to put souls back in the human's bodies and fails. And suddenly, uh, the team finds themselves uh, being attacked by zombies. Meanwhile, Wiccan and Hellstorm um, are watching over uh, the sleeping Count Ophidian. And uh, Wiccan calls out uh, Damon that he is actually keeping the Count from waking. Hellstorm admits that Billy's right, and 
informs him of a deal that he made with the um, Vridai Countess Burgit. Wiccan and Damon strike a deal of their own. They'll wake Ophidian and find out where the Vridai are based. If the Vridai need a ritualist, they'll go back together. And that's where issue 5 left off. Jumping into issue 6, we see a flashback that tells us what Ghosts and Moonstone's motivations are for uh, Moonstone's little project. And then it jumps to the present, and uh, we see the team fighting off the zombies while also trying to stop Moonstone and Ghost. Uh, Angela winds up cutting a ghost with Deal, so they tag team and uh, wind up capturing Moonstone. Meanwhile, Damon and Billy manage to wake Ophidian, who promptly tries to make a run for it. Eventually, they do catch him and learn that the Verdai no longer have a home to go to. Damon, we found out in the first issue, was their mage, I guess you could say. Um, it turns out that the deal he made with Burgett was to uh, help the Verdai find a home so that they wouldn't take over Hell, which is Damon's domain. He's like, no, that's mine. You can't have it. I thought that was kind of interesting. We had Monica trying to restore the souls to their bodies. Kind of reminds me of what Doctor Strange did with Jessica Drew back way back when in Avengers 240 and 241 when she was separated from her body. It was kind of similar. Uh, we have issue six, um, I feel, is definitely feels more like a setup for the Ravenscroft comic than anything else. Because Carla, after they capture her, winds up there. It kind of took my rating of the series of these two issues down a little bit. And if you've read Youth Knots, you can see that Teeny Howard was pulling some ideas from there for this little arc. So considering that this is more of a setup for Raven's Cross, I'm giving it a 3.5 out of 5 Lockjaws. I mean, I really like the issues, but it felt a bit chaotic in straight what the rest of the story was going for. Jacopo Camagni was a really good film artist. Other than that, um, I, mean, I still enjoyed it, but I want to get back to the Verdi and what's going on with them already. If if they're if they are setting up the tie in, it kind of just it feels like the series is kind of like you said jumping around a little bit. But yeah, it wasn't like officially a tie in. It was just more like if you, I guess, if you're reading Ravenscroft, Carla Sofen's like one of the lead scientists over there, and that's where this book ended. It was more like a, about Carla than it was about anything else. Yeah, kind of. I I just guess that's that's the sort of thing that kind of frustrates me. Really, it's just that. You know, you kind of you kind of have to set up something else when you know the majority of Marvel comic books they don't need to do that these days. <laughs> you know, very much majority of stories are very much kind of like you know this goes on and nobody needs to give a definition of when. Do you know what I mean? So I I guess that's kind of that kind of bugs me a little bit. Yeah, like I don't know what the yeah this like I could this arc really didn't do move any plot forward at all. Really, I mean, except for the Damon yeah, and really. Billy parts. I think the arcs being as short as they are as well is a little bit. Yeah. Because because this is one of those this is one of those series that actually, you know, Teeny Howard would be really good at, but it feels like she, you know, the the, the actual arc lengths are not kind of conducive to that. Yeah. Um, you know, she's had a basically a free reign on Excalibur and Excalibur has been fantastic. She's got free reign on this book too, but it sounds like this one might not have been as free reign as I thought it was. Yeah, that's that's kind of my point. It just it does feel like it's kind of you know it it's there potentially to serve as a bit of a pro- plot device. Um, but uh, anyway, I'll let you carry on with uh, Strike Force Seven. So Strike Force Seven again, Teeny Howard. We've got Jermaine uh, Peralta back on art. Um, colorist is still Guru Effects, and letterer is still VC Jose uh, Sabino with uh, same cover artists uh, Juan Jose and Matthew Wilson. Um, so we're back more on the plot um, towards the Verdi. The team finds themselves on Deadpool's monster island where uh, 
Deadpool has given them permission to hunker down and lay low for a little bit. Uh, and there's this great montage where he, he basically calls every member of Strike Force a monster and gives them a reason why they're a monster. And it's a really <laughs> fantastic page. I love it. And it's pretty on point, too, actually, because he calls Bucky a werewolf, and I laughed. Teeny Howard writes a pretty good Deadpool. Jess is getting tired of being away from her family, and she decides to take matters into her own hand and goes in search of uh, Burgeet. Meanwhile, Angela and Count Ophidian have a little chat about bargains. Bucky and Blade catch up with Jess, have a little spat that Jess totally kicks their ass in. However, the commotion alerts Burgeet, who finds them and tries to steal Ophidian away. Team follows, and then they find themselves on the dark elf land of Svartalheim. And at the end of the issue, uh, the very last page is Deadpool trying to find the team, and they're all gone, and he's a little bit affected by that. Jess should not have taken the fight voucher from that monster. I think that's going to come back and bite her in the ass. Teeny writes a really good Angela, you guys. Like, that whole, like, that whole part where she's talking to Ophidian about bargains, that was some really good writing there. And uh, that's what the angels do. It is what the angels do, and even though Angela's kind of rejected that now, she knows how it works, and I thought that was really interesting. And then uh, I thought it was really interesting that um, that little tidbit that uh, Ophidian knows why they chose the members of Strike Force to impersonate. But I would like to know why. So I hope that doesn't stay dangling for too long, um, because I need to know now. So I give this one um, four out of five Lockjaws, and now that we've got the regular art team back, and uh, the story seems to be back on track with the first arc was, although it still jumped around a bit, but it was a lot more fun and more streamlined to what the first few issues of Strike Force were. So I was much happier with it. I really think you guys should still read Strike Force if you're not. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's a lot different than anything else going on right now, and it's kind of in its own little land, although it will be having um, an Empire tie-in because of Billy. So, there will be that. Don't you mean Empires? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's a, yeah. uh, that's that that's C2E2 the, the reference. Pronunciation. Empire! <laughs> I really would have loved to have Ben Percy say that, because yes. I heard Ben Percy talk. <laughs> like, you think he's, like, putting on an act when he first opens his mouth, but his voice is very much that deep. The guy needs to be doing, like, monster truck rallies. Like it is <laughs> like you you do genuinely like I um because I went up to him uh prior to seeing him on a on a on a panel, and he started talking and I was like, that's got to be fake, surely that's fake. And he's like, nope, nope, totally not fake. Um, he's also he's also genuinely such a nice guy as well. He is. I I actually found an interview with him on YouTube. <laughs> yes, and it literally starts with him cutting up a tree with a chainsaw. Yeah. Yes, as lumberjack as humanly possible. It is the it is the most intense start to an interview with a novelist <laughs> you will ever see. <laughs> like it's like it's like an opening to a horror movie. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, and and I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll we'll, t- we'll tweet out the uh, the interview um, sort of when this episode goes up. So just for reference, so look out yeah. for that tweet. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I mean, what what did you think of Deadpool being in this book? I mean, because usually when Deadpool turns up, that's when I drop a book. I, I actually think that Teeny, like when she, I guess she said that as soon as she heard what Kelly Thompson's plot for Deadpool was, I think she's like, no, this is perfect because my team would totally fit in there. 
So she kind of went to play on Monster Island because it worked with her plot, and I actually think it does. I will say this: I don't. I'm not a fan of Deadpool at all. I love how Kelly Thompson is writing Deadpool, and I will also say that I think I I enjoyed how Teeny wrote Deadpool as well. Deadpool wasn't quite as obnoxious, at least to me, in this issue. I liked I liked him. I like how Teeny wrote him. I I struggle with Deadpool uh, an awful lot. Um, it was one, unfortunately, it was one of the reasons why I dropped, uh, Uncanny Avengers back in 2015. Even though that run actually turned out to be quite good because I think Deadpool dropped off the book. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's good that he's been written better. Um, yeah, it sounds good. I might, I, I need to pick this one up in trade, I think, when it comes out. Yes. Anyway, Magnificent Ms. Marvel next. Yay! Okay, so, uh, I'm gonna go through issues 10 11 and 12 of magnificent miss marvel the writer of the these three issues was Saladin ahmed uh, artist was minky young inca was juan blasco color artist was ian herring issue 10 kind of follows on straight from you know issue 9 as you expect uh, miss marvel chasing uh, hyde across new jersey after he's attacked the hospital along with Doctor Strange working on Miss Marvel's father and a plotline of Amir and Bruno meeting and Bruno confessing that him and Miss Marvel kissed, which wasn't taken very well, but they, they're going to deal with that later, I expect. Doctor Strange is also suggesting there's a link between Miss Marvel and, uh, and Abu, which is something that might keep him alive, as the inhuman part is uh, is killing him, but it's kind of what's, what's powering Miss Marvel. The interesting parts here really revolve around the fight between Hyde and Kamala, uh, just in the way that Miss Marvel is understanding... Um, that Hyde, in the majority of cases, would beat her, but the uh, the Kree Storm Ranger suit seems to be boosting her powers. Um, and then when Hyde discovers that Miss Marvel's weakness is electricity, trying to use this to his benefit and defeat Kamala, finally, um, he kind of realizes it's not working. And uh, and Kamala says, actually, the suit is zap proof, which is quite quite good. Uh, and she manages to knock Hyde out in the streets of New in the streets of New Jersey. The suit apparently wants more, which was a bit kind of weird reacting kamala's reluctance to to kill hyde um it kind of removes itself from her uh, which is quite sinister which leads us straight into issue 11 the overall monologue during this issue really focuses on how almost like the worst version of ourselves can be ultimately what kills us you know which is kind of is is true for anyone really it's it's just total self-destruction in the issue we see uh the storm ranger a storm ranger suit remove itself from kamala uh wants to take hyde out as a threat and as as such, Kamala wants to distance him from the suit uh, and doing what heroes do, removing him from the situation and taking him to the local police station. Uh, on the way, she gets through the uh, gets a cool like western disguise of a pair of shades and a nice scarf she wears across her mouth. The suit ultimately catches up with them, uh, and there's a fight between who is superior. Uh, the suit realizing that it cannot beat Kamala; she's just too driven, and uh, she will always try and take it out and, and focus on getting rid of it. Um, the suit then turns to the enemies that she can ultimately take out, uh, starting with Discord. Uh, the suit flies off, Kamala catches hold, taking off with the suit that can now fly. Um, the suit takes countermeasures and shocks Kamala off her back, or off its back, uh, plunging her into the water below in the, uh, in the Hudson. Which moves straight into issue 12. Uh, Doctor Strange comes out of, out of the surgery. And he discusses his future, suggesting there would be some lasting damage uh, with the rest of Kamala's family. This then cuts to a scene of Kamala under the water in the Hudson. Bruno, out of nowhere, comes and saves Kamala from the depths, saving her in a hover car he was conveniently building in his garage. 
Bruno gives Kamala uh, a Miss Marvel costume from when they were all dressing up as Miss Marvel. Uh, nice reference to kind of previous issues. And they set off for saving Discord uh, when Doctor Strange projects himself onto the front of the car, telling Kamala that he needs to come uh, and, and basically donate some blood to her father would help prevent further damage. She decides that saving Discord is actually potentially more important, uh, or not more important, but she needs to save his life if uh, if Abu is, uh, you know, relatively safe. Tough choice for her, really. Kamala reaches Discord and uh, the Storm Ranger suit, having figured out the game plan. They take it on and overload it, destroying it and saving Discord. Kamala returns to the hospital, gives Doctor Strange a vial of blood, hoping it's enough. Uh, with a lot of time having passed between Doctor Strange orig- originally contacting her, the rate of cell death was more dramatic, which leaves Kamala heartbroken. A week later, we see Bruno and Kamala going to catch a movie. And it still appears to me that they're kind of like the are they, aren't they going on. Um, I guess we'll see in the next issue, which I'll review in a second. But um, there's a couple of comments on these three issues, I think. And the first one is they're really slow. Uh, I don't know if you guys found that. Plot-wise, there wasn't an awful lot of character development. Potentially, the story could have been done a little bit quicker. I think think it was setting up a future arc. Potentially. I think that Storm Ranger suits come into play. Um, There's an announcement for... uh, I think there's a Storm Ranger one-shot, actually, um, for Empire. So I think it's kind of setting up for that. Um, I I think this arc... I mean, it was slow moving, but I think it's it's really setting up for more thoughts down the road. I think my point is more that it felt like what happened in four or five issues could have almost happened in two or three, particularly between 10 and 11. Well, it was it was three issues for this arc, wasn't it? Uh, well, I think it was... Um, oh, it was five, you're right. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was five issues, and I just feel like, you know, 10 and 11 you could have almost um, put together in one issue and potentially 12 and 13 you could almost do in one issue as well. And it's really frustrating to say that and I, I don't mean it like, I, I don't mean it rudely to Saladin Ahmed because he's a fantastic writer, but yeah, the writing just felt slow. I think I think there was a lot of great art, there was a lot of great visuals on it, but it was it was lots of big panels on the page. You know, most stories though are a five or six issue arc. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is may have been st- stretched out a little to get it to hit the right number of issues. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, obviously, the first five issues, and then you kind of had a, a, a filler issue, and then it was that this one started with issue seven, I believe. But yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed the story. Um, I just think it was it was um, potentially just a little bit too slow for me. It was nice to see Doctor Strange's Sur- Surgeon Supreme, though. Yeah, that was <laughs> yes. Cool. Yeah, they actually do it surgery now. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought that was, that was quite good. I, I kind of, I kind of enjoyed the uh, the emotional side of things, like um, the fact that that Kamala was visually heartbroken at the end of that issue. I thought that was very good story writing and very good art, and I thought it was very well put together. But yeah, I, I mean, we'll, we'll re- I'll review issue thirteen. It's also the introdu- introduction of Amulet. The writer of issue thirteen was was Salad Ahmed. Artist uh, was Joey Vasquez, uh, Inca was Juan Blasco, and colour artist is Ian Herring. So it kind of follows on a couple of weeks later from the previous issue. Kamala gets uh, driven to the county fair by her father. He's struggling to kind of get adapted to basically his life with a cane. Uh, won't accept any help as he wants to kind of get used to using it. Gives her a strict curf- curfew, which is 9pm, as they continually say. <laughs> 
So she meets up with Bruno, who's who's kind of at this at the at the uh, the fair, who tries to put his arm around Kamala, which she kind of she's not particularly comfortable with yet, and she you know she kind of says stop doing that. Bruno kind of doesn't seem to understand why he kind of walks off in a strop, um, which is kind of a bit of an overreaction. And then Kamala finds her other friends, spends a pleasant time going around the fair, moving towards a, a fortune teller who is uh, potentially slightly offensive. Uh, <laughs> I, I kind of giggled at that bit. Uh, they walk in and pay the money to get a few fortune told, to which giant demon appears from the crystal ball. Chaos ensues and Kamala is trying to fight off the multiplying demons herself, which is where we get the introduction of Amulet, uh, the new hero from Michigan. He helps Kamala fight the demons, uh, which he uses magic on the crystal ball to, uh, to destroy it and return the demons back to wherever they came from. Seems like a cool guy. Ma- seems a bit, a bit magic. Uh, hopefully we'll see him again soon, which I'm sure we will. He doesn't seem like a one-shot character. I thought the end of the, the book kind of ended quite comically and quite sweet. Kamala's father kind of suggested that she can have a, a 9.30 curfew instead of a 9pm one, kind of suggesting it would be good for her. Kind of nice to see that kind of sense of humour still there. So I gave this this issue particularly a 4 out of 5 locked jaws. I think the one before, the three issues before it, is a total of like 3 out of 5 locked jaws. What did you guys think? I like Amulet. Amulet is fantastic. Yep. And it's nice to have two heroes meet and not fight each other. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was, that was really just, good. Hey, I want to help. Okay. And they do their thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I I thought it was a really nice issue. Um, I, I was kind of I was kind of a little bit weirded out by the the Kamala Bruno bit. And it's kind of like why I said he walks off in a strop because it kind of felt like he he didn't respect her very very much. Uh, they're they're immature teenagers. Yeah, yeah, true. They're they're not, they're, they're, they're too young. They, they gotta figure shit out. Yeah, and it was kind of like, uh, yeah, that kind of that kind of was a bit, a bit weird. And I, I think uh, a couple of comments I've seen on on online on on Twitter mostly, kind of discourse about Miss Marvel is has been that it kind of feels like the whole relationship came about at the really really wrong time. Yes, which is kind of because obviously Miss Marvel's father was in a position where you know he's nearly dying, and then Bruno comes along, and you know she was kind of emotionally blindsided, and yeah, it, it feels like. It, it's, it all the, it's all at the wrong time. Yes, exactly. What I did like about this issue is that Zoe drives like I do. <laughs> Don't drive like Zoe or Adam. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed that bit. Just the just the one one scene where they're like they're in the back of the car and they just look like they're about to you know. Oh, it's just great. Um, they look so scared. But uh, also Joey Vasquez on this book. A really nice, uh, really yeah, nice standard. Yeah, and I, I think he uh, he does um, kind of compliments Minky Young's like style. I, I think Amulet's design is amazing, though. Yes, yeah. He is just a beautiful character. Yeah, and he was designed by Sarah Alfagi, and you probably have seen her design, like her redesign of Dust from the X Men. Uh, okay, that's good to know. And uh, she is also the co-creator of the Squire graphic novel that comes out in fall of 2021. Why is it so far away? I know. Like, that seems that seems strange. But you can find her online at uh, in, on Twitter at Sarah Alfagi, and she's got a website www.sarah-alpha.com. Yes, yeah, Alpha A L F A. A L F A. Yeah. Well, they're talking about books that aren't due out for months and months um 
Jason Aaron's book, was it Southern Bastards? Volume 1 came out in like 2018, like the really nice hardback. And then the next one does, uh, was originally scheduled to come out in January 2020. And this was kind of when I looked at it last year. And now it's not until fall 2020. Uh, that's like the wait we had for the Black Bolt hardcover. <laughs> yeah, moved on six months from uh, September, was it September last year to whenever it came out. Was it January? January. Came January. Out. January. Yeah. I still haven't gotten my hands on that. No, I, I'm I'm one of these I'm one of these people who um, if I've already bought it once and I can read it quite easily, I won't buy it again. Oh, um, I will. Yeah, and I, you you guys you guys do that. <laughs> oh, it, it is gorgeous though. You take the you know the um, slip cover off, and the whole you know act- the actual book itself is just a Christian Ward page. It's yeah. beautiful. It is beautiful. I mean, speaking of like Christian Christian Warden artists and that sort of stuff, keep supporting them in these kind of like trying times at the moment. Especially seeing as like, um, particularly the Comic Cons are being cancelled, and and that's quite a quite a big part of their income. So if you do see kind of bits and pieces you like, make sure you buy off them when you can. So should we move on? Should we do some reading recommendations? Um, sure, sure. Uh, what what have you got, Lynn? Well. At C2E2, I picked up the first trade paperback of Bitter Root by David F. Walker, Chuck Brown, and Sanford Green. It's about a family of monster hunters who cure the souls of people infected by hate. And it is just spectacular. The story is amazing. The art is amazing. And if you go to the Image Comics website right now, you can read the first issue for free. Yay! I'll have to it is that out. incredible. So how about you, Saren? What have, you, uh, have you got any reading recommendations? I have two. Uh, one, you gotta all pick up Spider Woman. Number one, it came out this week. So if you don't pick it up, I'll be sad. It's excellent. Uh, Carla definitely gets uh, Carla. Pache- it's by Carla Pacheco and Perry Perez. And then there's a backup story that's Carla Pacheco and Paulo Secura. I cannot say his name correctly. I apologize. Um, that's a little bit cheesecakey art for my taste, but it's um, explains how Jessica got her new suit. Um, Carla. Definitely understands Jessica Drew and Pere Perez um, is an excellent artist. The artwork's beautiful. Um, um, I also just recently finished Smoke Bitten by uh, Patricia Briggs. It's the next book in line with the Mercy Thompson series. If you're a fan of urban fantasy, that's kind of quick read. I would recommend this. It's got fae who are terrifying. It's got witches who are terrifying. It's got vampires who are terrifying and werewolves. Everything you would want in an urban fantasy book. I love it. So uh, I would recommend that. Okay. Um, now, I, I have been trying to find a positive reading recommendation that's like full of really nice things. Um, and I failed miserably. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give a a sort of a, a suggestion of what I've been reading recently. So, um, but yeah, the uh, the book that I I've kind of finished most recently was We Who Are About To, which is a, kind of about a a woman who gets kind of stuck on a planet and is 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 basically chronicling her depression and then ultimately insanity. Uh, it's it's a really pleasant read. <laughs> it's uh, it's quite good. It's quite dark. It's kind of a bit a bit sort of sad. Uh, the other things is the books that Lynn actually grabbed for me at Z2E2, which is Seven to Eternity and uh, Sandman, um, which are both very good. I, really I have Sandman. Those. I need to read that. Oh, yes. Sandman is very good. I'm going to go and buy the rest of them at some point. Uh, trying to think what else have I read. Uh, Black Science. Black Science is very good. 
But again, it's kind of all, all these stories are kind of they're not particularly happy stories. <laughs> Black Science particularly is quite a is quite an interesting one. It's kind of a multiversal sci-fi story with the biggest jerks in the multiverse in it. Yeah, and and every every universe has them, and that's the <laughs> and they're that's awful. the worst like thing. Almost they're, they're, everyone. Yeah, and I, I've kind of I think I've got up to volume four of that out of nine, and I think I own eight of nine. Uh, I'm going to carry on with that. That's a very good book, uh, but that's that's it for me, really. Uh, there's nothing positive. There's no. <laughs> uh, if if you want some goofy escapist fiction, right now I'm reading "Ack Ack Macaque" by Gareth Powell. <laughs> So can you can you repeat that title, please? It, it, ack, ack, macaque. Oh my god! It looks so stupid, and it's awesome. I'm just gonna read the product description: startling, fast-paced science fiction starring a cigar-chomping monkey, nuclear-powered zeppelins, electronic souls, and a battle to avert Armageddon. It is so fun. Uh, I might have to pick that up. I'm gonna have to pick that up too. It's actually a trilogy. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that sounds it, good. I, it, I think. It is- Absolutely fantastic. I think the other thing I would suggest if we're talking about sort of escapist kind of stuff is I Hate Fairyland. Oh, God, it's so good. Yeah, I Hate Fairyland is great. I mean... Oh, good. It's messed up, man. Oh, it's totally messed up, but it's it's, it's just so it's just the fact up. that it's Scotty Young. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's I've yeah, got plenty I, of stuff on my shelf, but... I, I Hate Fairyland. If you want another one, I haven't read it yet, but I've heard good things about it. Um, If you're not familiar with Carla Pacheco... She wrote this book called um, Inspector Pancake, which is about this dog who helped the prime minister of France or the president of France solve um, mysteries. On the surface, it looks like a child's book. But when you read further, there's a second story within the story that is the dog solving these absolutely horrible, grisly murders. (laughs) (laughs) So it's this child's book that's not really a child's book and i've heard excellent things about it the blurb from comics alliance hilarious and wrong (laughs) (laughs) so um i uh apparently uh you should all check that out because apparently it's pretty brilliant um so it's a kid's book but it's not really a kid's book um yeah so that's that's another one um also remember to support your local comic book store Mine is doing. Some are doing mail order. Mail order. Mine. And, um, yeah. So this it's going to take them a while, but they're going to get your their, you know, your books to you. So check online, see if any of your independent bookstores are shipping. Yeah, I think um, I think for the UK, we we at least for where I live, we have a lot less independent bookstores and a lot less local comic stores. The, the 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 comic store that I use is Forbidden Planet because they do like a, a subscription service and they only deliver once a month, but you get all of your titles in that one delivery. But I think order online where you can, make sure that your your delivery dry, you know your delivery people are safe, uh, don't get too close. I think it's, it's it's just trying times. Just make sure everybody stays well, stay inside, wash your hands, do what you can, wash your hands. Be yeah, nice to the grocery kind of store clerks. And there was there was one other don't thing, be mean. and I know. I, I know we we don't get a considerable reach with this podcast, but please don't panic by. I'm, I'm not even kidding at the amount of places that are out of the most basic things. Just you don't need to panic by, especially around here. There's plenty of food to go around. You don't need 4,000 toilet rolls. Just be good to each other <laughs> and party on and all that sort of stuff. 
on that note, I think that's the end of the episode. <laughs> Until next time. Bye. Bye.